the best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. When you watch a guy, Ger, standing on the sideline counting players with his fingers, you know this is bullshit. Probably the greatest ever victory for Ireland. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Yeah, you are very, very welcome along. Uh, I'm here with Phil Egan and we're deciding if it's 72 or 73 days. It doesn't feel like it anyway since the end of the Premier League. And we are back uh, for the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place uh, across Sky Sports, BT Sports and Premier Sports. Delighted as well to welcome to the show uh, David Myler. How are you getting on, David? I'm good, lads. How are you? On a scale of one to absolutely buzzing, how are you for this Premier League? Buzzing. Um, you know what it's like though once the internationals come around at the start you kind of you watch them but if they're if they're not competitive or whatever you're kind of waiting for the Premier League and then you have your little break and to be fair I watched a bit of the women's Euros um, and that kind of like got the excitement going obviously it's great to have it back now because it's it will run through to the World Cup which is still weird being at Christmas but it's great to have it back. Yeah, we do have the weird situation of the World Cup in Qatar, um, which obviously entails a starting a little bit earlier. Phil Egan, you almost look like a Premier League footballer over there. You're in good, Nick? Um, yeah, Ireland Robin. You feel like a kind of, Yeah, yeah, kind of a... If I was a Premier League... A lot of brawn. Yeah, I would have... I would have... I would have... If I had half the talent that he had in his left foot, I could have made it. Yeah. What a player. What but, a player. Uh, yeah, How are you on, the, on a scale of one? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like David said there, I would have t- taken in a lot of the football over the summer between the... The, the women's European Championships and obviously you know at the moment we're in the, the midst of some great League of Ireland results in, in Europe as well so the football never really stops it just means now starting from tonight it's going to be absolutely relentless and it's going to take us up till November uh, there's just a few little different things at play as well obviously the, the break the six week break and also five substitutes. That's going to be a game changer. I know we had it for a little bit during COVID, but this is different. This is it, this it, is here to stay now. It is. And uh, just on that, David, are you a fan? It, to me, it obviously seems to benefit the better teams. Um, it doesn't benefit a match report writer because you're basically you're never off the laptop with all these subs. But what do you make of it, actually? Well, of course, it does benefit, you know, the bigger teams. Your Liverpools, Manchester Cities, United's, Arsenal's, Chelsea's. They've got, you know, array of talent. They've got... 27, 28 first team players that could, you know, potentially start. Um, of course, it benefits them. But at the same time, there's been, you know, different occasions where, you know, certain instances where you've you've used your three subs and someone picks up a knock and you have finished the game with 10. That's where it will help teams out. But of course, look, it favours the bigger teams. My opinion, like, I don't want it to interrupt the flow of a football match. Um, I remember there was a great example a few years ago with United under Solskjaer. They made five subs at one time. And whenever a sub comes on, it always takes them, you know, four or five minutes to get into a game, you know, to get up to the speed of it. So that as long as the quality is not affected and, and then, you know, coming towards, you know, the end of a game, if Liverpool were playing Manchester City and they're 2-1 down and all of a sudden they start making sub after sub after sub, mm. you know, to kind of really wreck the flow of it, that won't be good for the game. But overall, with the you know, if you're if you're looking at the health of the players and the fitness of the players, and obviously it gives better opportunities. I remember when I started out in the Premier League, there was only five subs were named on the bench. Mm. And then it changed to seven. Now all of a sudden it's gone to five substitutes. But look, it, it'll be certainly one to watch. Um, I do see you know the benefits of it, um, but I just hope it doesn't knock the flow of it, and then it it, it becomes like 
even you know the teams who've been promoted, your your Bournemouth, Fulham's, if they're winning a game one nil, and all of a sudden you know they're bringing a sub on, they have another fellow waiting to come on that they're trying to waste as much time as they can. Yeah, it's a bad job for getting into in my day with uh, David Myler already because I consider, <laughs> I consider David a, a perfectly young man. Let's get straight into it. Palace v Arsenal, eight pm tonight. Uh, go to you first, Phil. Uh, this game's on Sky Sports. It's a perfect, perfect start. You Vieira against Arsenal. Arsenal, for me, have made some really cracking signings. I think they lost their first three games last season under Arteta, but definitely improved thereafter. And they go to arguably the the best atmosphere in London, if not the Premier League. Yeah, you just wonder have um, the Arsenal players been listening to Glad all over on the, the speakers yeah. <laughs> just to get them pumped up for this game tonight. It's you think back to four months ago when. Palace pumped Arsenal 3-0 and that pretty much was the start of the, the slide for Arsenal missing out in top four but like you said the the signing of Gabriel Jesus could be the game changer because what an upgrade he is on Alexandre Lacazette who I actually remember in that particular game at Sellers Park just yeah, he, was, he wasn't very good at all like, and Palace pressed them very well Palace don't have Conor Gallagher this season mm. so I wonder how they're going to cope without him they have a few players that they're missing tonight so this actually might be a nice game for Arsenal a nice time for Arsenal to get Palace but with Arsenal with the signings brings greater expectation and I always feel Arsenal are just one or two results away from Arteta's management being questioned all the time so he needs I think he would he could do it a good start um, you know the, it was a disappointing way to finish the season but you can see why there's optimism because of some of those signings uh, you mentioned Patrick Vieira but Fabio Vieira is a player mm. that they signed who actually hasn't been talked about that much it's all been about Jesus and Zinchenko but Vieira is another really good option in, in midfield for them personally as well if Zinchenko is not playing left back as Tierney's available then I would play Zinchenko instead of Xhaka well that's a big call I think Zinchenko David is a brilliant sign and I think he's a fantastic footballer Xhaka as a player is probably a bit of a marmite for a lot of people and will pick up a lot of bookings who do you think will start there where will Zinchenko start and generally where are you on the Arsenal narrative are they a top 4 team are they a top 6 team could they even challenge for the title this year I think they're going to be I don't think they'll challenge for the title Um, I think that's just Liverpool and City to be honest Um, I do feel that you know Arsenal do have to finish in the top 4 I imagine everybody's you know, glance their eyes over the all or nothing. Um, you've seen the disaster start they had last year. Obviously, I've, well, I started watching it yesterday and you can see that they're going with this philosophy of younger players um, and Jesus and Zinchenko fit into that mould um, with a little bit more experience, obviously, winning Premier League titles with City. I would expect Zinchenko to start the left-back tonight. Um, I believe Kieran Tierney's struggling a bit. Um, and obviously, Jesus is the one that they're kind of leaning on to get the goals. Um like it's just interesting to think like yeah whenever you watch Arsenal they're either a game away from we're back the Arsenal are back or you know the manager needs to be sacked these players aren't good enough um, it is a massive game obviously Sellers Park is a really tough place to go so it's going to be really important that Arteta gets some firing they've had a great pre-season and they've had some great results they look like they're flying um, so it will be an interesting to watch but I expect them to be knocking on the door top four will they or won't they make it um, I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt I think Arsenal will be back in the top four What do you make of Arteta? Um, I've played against him numerous times over the years um, and I don't I don't really I, I never really liked him for a particular moment after the <laughs> FA Cup final um, there was a moment just when obviously they had won they beaten us an extra time and obviously we were all 
dejected, lying on the floor, sitting on the floor. But he ran over me and he rubbed his two hands on top of my head. Um, wouldn't be mad on that now. No, I wouldn't. No, that wouldn't be my kind of like sportsmanship. Um, I get it. You've won. You know what I mean? The, the celebrations, whatever. But you can still be somewhat professional. Um, but then watching, like, I don't I don't personally know him. I've only ever heard good things from the lads who have played with him at Arsenal or Everton. Um, they speak really highly of him. You can see he's charismatic. He's passionate. He's full of energy from the documentary, the way, like, even some of, um, some of the pre-match, you know, talks or whatever. Some of it's fascinating. The one with the rubbing the hands. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, you know, to create the energy between the group and then everyone to hold hands and stuff like that. Like even I thought it was a spark of genius when they played Spurs in the North London Derby. He brings in the photographer who's been an Arsenal fan all his life, who's Indeed. worked at the club for 30 years. It just gives you that, I suppose, that symbol of what Arsenal is about to the fans and whatever. Um, and then even after the game, they have him in the middle. Like, do you know what I mean? You know, Bamiyang presents him his shirt and will say, we'll get the team to sign. And there's stuff, that kind of stuff I do relate to and I do appreciate. Um, but. <laughs> Any manager knows or any footballer knows a manager is only two or three games away from the sack. And if they do start poorly, there is going to be massive pressure on him. Um, this is a game that, you know, Arsenal will have looked at last season. Can we kick on? We started, you know, they'll identify where the problems were. We started poorly. This is a game that they'll feel that they have to win. Um, and like Phil said there, Palace, you never know. Like losing Conor Gallagher was massive, you know, certainly with the goals and the energy he brought to that team. Um, I'd expect Arsenal to win tonight, but... Then again, we go back to this cliche saying it is Arsenal, so who knows? Yeah, the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Uh, we've already had a big revelation there. Uh, Arteta's actually not quite as nice, Phil, as he comes across. No, I mean, wouldn't like, be wouldn't be a fan of that sort of behaviour. No, I don't like no. people slapping me in the head. To be honest, I don't need. I wouldn't to, do with the shape. I, I don't need to hear that sound. You know. Yeah, um, but briefly, where are you on um, Arteta as a coach at this stage? Yeah. This time about, we'll say, 11 months ago, 10 and a half months ago, he was under pressure. Yeah, but you know what? I, I think the context of that was the first night um, away to Brentford, which, mm. as it transpired, Brentford away was a tough fixture for yeah. a lot of the, the top teams. Arsenal were missing players because of COVID, which rolled on a few months later and players or teams were getting matches postponed because of COVID but Arsenal didn't get that then they went to Man City that was a third game yeah and they played Chelsea as well yeah. so you know it, it was a tough one but if they start well tonight then you know it, it just kind of it follows on from a really good pre-season and, and then they have European football to contend with this season maybe that's I don't know if they're going to get top four I, I'm kind of thinking it's the same top four as last season but I might flip Chelsea and Spurs where Spurs are the ones that finished third and Chelsea finished fourth. But if Arsenal can have a good run in the Europa League, they've you know, they've got to a final under Unai Emery. Arteta went mm. to the latter stages of that competition as well. So maybe that could be an avenue into the, the Champions League for them. Yeah, and we are talking about nearly all of the top four uh, protagonists today, including Liverpool, who are away at Fulham. We'll stick with you on this, Phil. This is 2.30 BT Sports Saturday. Uh, Fulham, roundly roundly expected, really, to uh, go down again. Um, And a lot will depend on if an incredibly good marksman in the championship can do it at this level. And that is a massive question mark. Mitrovic scored more than 40 goals last season. Incredible. Unbelievable. And look, we know just how potent he can be from the the World Cup qualifiers as well he has that strength I suppose though when he goes into the Premier League 
he just probably doesn't lacks a gear like yeah and, and do you know what it also depends on there's a certain type of ball that he thrives on and probably doesn't get enough of it in the Premier League because Fulham just don't get into those positions enough because they're playing against better opposition but he's that kind of player that if he started well then you know he could carry that form in I, there's there's so many similarities between the likes of Fulham and Watford and mm. Norwich where say Pookie for example with Norwich bangs in goals in the championship comes up scores a few but doesn't score levels yeah and, and that's what it is and yeah Fulham would be in my three of teams that I think are going to go down and we'll get to you on Liverpool after we talk to David your beloved pool um, some good changes uh, obviously Mane the big loss David and mm. uh, who, who's your who's your front three I suppose to start with Diaz, Nunes, Salah um, I think that'll be the front three mm. um, I think that's the way they'll kind of go look you, you've seen the impact from Diaz um, Nunes is obviously a highly rated player that the, you know, the club have gone after um, they were very impressed obviously in his performance in the Champions League he's just he, it's, he brings something different than what we're, what we're probably used to with, you know that time when Mane played through the middle um, he obviously is a big powerful you've seen the goal he scored with his head um, it'll take him time to get up to speed. Obviously, you know, scoring in the community, she would give him massive confidence. But I definitely think that's the front three going forward. Obviously, Jota's just signed a new deal. Um, I think he'll be knocking on the door if either one of the, them two, um, the two I mean is Diaz uh, or Nunes, aren't performing, you know, or just have a little dip. I think Salah's just Salah. He's nailed on um, to play all 38 games as long as he stays fit. Um, but that would be my front three. Look, I'd expect Liverpool to have far too much um, you've seen obviously through pre-season like even even speaking to some of the players you know the amount of sessions they're doing and then before they play games in pre-season where it's it's seen as purely fitness it's not about anything else bar fitness and then obviously you've seen the rewards with the level of output they put against Manchester City um, they look like they're firing they'll know it's a big challenge obviously to top City this year but they'll be there thereabouts um, and we'll come right down to the wire again what do you make of them, Phil? Uh, any negatives in terms of their second favourites from the league? Strong second favourites, obviously, and a lot yeah. of people don't see anyone else. Yeah, well, I think what Liverpool have done very well under Jurgen Klopp is when they miss out on the big prize, they tend to react very well. They come back with that hunger and that fire. Like, they play with that hunger and fire anyway, but just, you know, you can tell they're going to be angry this season. They're going to be disappointed. When I say disappointed, don't forget... They got. They played every game last season. They mm. got. They won two cups. They got to a Champions League final. They brought City to the final day of the season in the league, and that now some people would deem as disappointment. That's how good this Liverpool team is. That's the levels they're operating at. It'll be interesting to see what he does in midfield. I think that's just the one area that. What are your three then? And I mean, when you think about the high line they play as well, and like obviously Fabinho is going to play presumably Henderson. Yeah. Who else? Thiago. And Thiago, so that yeah. that three, I mean, and then you've your attacking three, and you've two fullbacks that are basically wingers. Yeah, and it, it looks like Trent Alexander-Arnold looks like he's been like just noticed even last week watching him and and when he scored, like his shoulders, you can tell like he's he's physically getting stronger. Um, mm. you know because obviously he's he's getting older, and when he first broke onto the the scene, he was quite a, a scrawny young lad, and he's he's starting to fill out now, but. I, I just wonder I, with with Nunes coming in I've often wondered will Klopp ever and he does this he changes his formations throughout games and he said sometimes they're they're not defined in the way they they play in terms of their formation that mm. players know where if they're in a position the other player will know where to go and all that Like, but I just wonder 
will sometimes he be tempted to play like a 4-2-3-1 and because uh, those three that I mentioned you've obviously got Harvey Elliott Fabio Carvalho by the way mm. when he signed from Fulham some people thought he's one for the future I don't even think he's one for the future I think he's good to go now mm. I think he's a serious talent but Klopp will obviously make these changes he'll rotate his full backs because Liverpool at the best play with high intensity but it's just that one that midfield area just a few if they get a few knocks in there yeah like Curtis Jones is already out Oxide chamberlain is already out we know Keita picks up knocks here and there so and look the, the general speculation is about them trying to sign June Bellingham but next summer and we saw this with Kanate when they had a defensive crisis they didn't go and pay big money for a player for the sake of it they waited till the summer they got Kanate and when we saw Kanate last season we saw why Briefly on Thiago, David, you know, injuries have been a constant companion for much of his career and indeed of his Liverpool career. And then you see last season when he gets a run of games, how outstanding. Is this his season of deliverance for Liverpool where he can carry them to the title or thereabouts? Well, it's going to be a combination of the whole team, Johnny. Um, But certainly, look, Thiago, he's one of those you pay money to go watch. Mm. The way he just floats around the pitch, um, his range of passing, his vision, like the silky little skills. He's an exceptional gift, you know, exceptionally gifted footballer. Um, he's one that I'm a big admirer of. Um, obviously, as you said there, he's had, you know, cruciates in the past. Um, obviously, he's going to he's gonna pick up little niggles and knocks along the way. But certainly he'll be hoping that he can have a good, you know, full season, stay fit. Obviously, with the even with the World Cup, he'll have aims of, you know, being a regular in the, you know, in the Spain squad. And he'll know that he'll need to be playing week in, week out for that. Like as Phil said, you can you can nearly write down Liverpool's eleven. No, it's just front three. Okay, um, you know you've got some backup there, but certainly mm. midfield. That's the big question mark. I do think there's a massive drop off when Naby Keita comes in. He's too hot and cold for me. Mm. Um, there's no doubting he's a good player, but his performances are hot and cold. Um, of course, the other option is Jota can drop back down into those positions. Um, so they do have a little bit of depth, but certainly you know you look at it. Previous years, when they did win the Premier League and Champions League, you had Wijnaldum there as well, who is who is just stalwart. Who you know who turned out forty games a season. Um, will they go and spend big money again? Probably not. No, um, they'll probably look if they were to sign one, probably some young up and coming player on the cheap for ten or fifteen million. Um, if they are going to get Bellingham, um, it would be in probably eighteen months. I'd say. Uh, you just look at it Van Dijk, Canate, Robertson, Alexander-Arnold Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, Diaz, Nunes, Salah and that's the front 10 they're going to be incredible to watch whatever happens I, do you know what Johnny I think I think Matip, Matip will play more games than Canate right mm. right mm. I think once, he's once just, fit I think mm. he'd be a player yeah, I think yeah if he, he, the big thing is right there's always been question marks over Matip he always seems to have that little well, for a long time he had that slight error in him where he'd mm. make a mistake and then he would pick up injuries but he's actually probably the best centre half Liverpool have at bringing out the ball. Mm. Um, like there's like there's kind of a, an ongoing joke with the Liverpool Twitter accounts I follow, where he's off on an adventure. You see him bringing the ball out, but he's he's superb at it. Um, and certainly when you're playing against teams that do drop off you, um, you need that is a massive thing. You don't need midfielders coming deep on top of the centre halves. You need a centre half to step out with the ball, and he is he is superb at it, and he's the best of them. Remember his goal against Leeds. Yeah. Finally paid off. 
Yeah. And yeah. We, we we do have to move on uh, because we're obviously uh, just talking too much about these games, as you would expect. First game of the season. And do remember that injuries are going to befall these teams. And that's mm. when that's when the narrative changes. Everton, Chelsea, starting with you, Phil. I mean, we're talking about literally a handful of outfield players from Ireland. Seamus Coleman may or may not be one of them in the Premier League. If you look at Everton with Richardson gone, to me, they look a team that is vulnerable this season. And then Chelsea have made some astute signings, maybe a few uh, question marks as to whether they're in the title race or not. Yeah, I, I don't think Chelsea are in the title race. Why, but I don't think I don't think there's going to be as big a drop off as some people are expecting because I think Sterling's an excellent signing. I think getting rid of Lukaku was a big deal for them. Lying on Havertz, so are they? Or like you know, uh, see here we are at the start of August. Mm. Like, this is why it's very hard to make your predictions because a lot can change between now and the end of the month when they sign players. Already like today, the talk is Aubameyang going to Chelsea. He thrived under Tuchel at Borussia Dortmund, mm. banged in goals. Um, you know, I think Koulibaly is a, is an excellent signing. He pretty much replaces Rudiger. Christensen's gone. Wasn't a big fan of Christensen. Thought he was like decent, but you know, wouldn't be wouldn't be crying over his exit. I think Aspilicueta signing. People say, oh, you know, he's getting on, but you know, football clubs sometimes are about more than the eleven players that go on the pitch. It's the culture. It's you know, leaders in the dressing room, standards not dropping. He's been there, done that with Chelsea. He's won everything there. So if there's players in there that aren't doing it then you know he's well within his rights to pull them aside and say pull your socks up where are you on uh, Everton Davis and is Lampard one of these lads that will be vulnerable in a month or six weeks 100% um, you just like obviously they had they had a great kind of escape where they picked up some results at the end of last season but you kind of look at them now like losing Richarlison is massive obviously Calvert-Lewin's picked up another injury mm. um, you do feel for him you just think where they're going to get the goals from? Um, you know, the, if not, they've not really spent money that you'd kind of go, okay. I do worry for them. I really do. Um, like, I think, I don't know if, if there's conversations going on behind closed doors where they just have to say, right, we just need to cement our place in the Premier League. And then over time, can Frank then clear out the riffraff of the players that he doesn't want? You know, you looked at all the, you know, the signings that they made years ago. Probably players are on too much money. They're probably not fully committed, not giving their all. Um, and I think he probably, I think it's, for Everton, it's probably, can we can we establish ourselves in the Premier League over the next two seasons and during that process, get rid of players and bring through younger players to kind of get back Everton's identity. Mm. Um, you always see it. It's, Goodison Park's a horrible place to go. Some atmosphere. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, like as a as an as a way player going there, you hate it because it's a tight stadium, it's noisy. But then, as a fan of football, you love it because it's 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 everything what's good about football. Um, and and for a long period of time, they lost that. You know, the fans would turn on the players. The players kind of shirked themselves. They didn't want to know. Um, Frank managed to create a bit of an atmosphere. They've got it all going. And if they can get that, their home form is going to be crucial because. You could just see them slipping away, and and question you'd ask is: Are there three or three teams that are worse than them? Okay, mm. potentially some of the promoted sides, but you know the business that ever have done. I just don't know. Yeah, I think there was probably a bit of a bounce under Lampard uh, last season. Will there be a bounce uh, under Eric Ten Hag, and how long will that last? This brings us on to Manchester United versus Brighton, um, and a compelling start to a bumper Sunday on Sky Sports. Uh, I just this Man United thing it just goes on and on and on but it, it's it's still strangely alluring Phil yeah I, I still can't believe we're you know <laughs> on the day the Premier League season starts and it looks like it's going to be 
McTominay and Fred in midfield for Manchester United. Well, not only that, not only that. If you read the um, the preview in the Racing Post, where it's like this line got me. United do not have the pull they used to have in the transfer market, which is mad in the first instance. So galvanising players such as Harry Maguire and Marcus Rashford will be crucial. That's not good. No, well, I, I mean, I, I think Rashford could be one of those players that kind of gets back on track under under Ten Hag. And this is like, Ten Hag is a, a really good coach. Now, he's brought in three players. Malassia, I saw a bit of him at Feyenoord, really like him. Exactly what you expect from a modern day fullback, just up and down the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it'll also give Luke Shaw a kick up the backside because Tellez is obviously didn't do that. Um, Ericsson, we, we saw the, the impact he had at Brentford. And Martinez, you know, snarly centre half. They need, they need a bit of that. But the, the central midfield area is the one area that, you know, been crying out for a player for, for years and they just haven't got around to it. Ronaldo, that's still an issue. Martial looked promising in pre-season. Could you hang your hat on him to be the player to get you say 20 plus goals Might I know he's a start nine the way but he's not going to he's not going to start at the weekend by the looks of it because of a, a hamstring injury but yeah. Ronaldo you know as like a club legend but said it last season even though when he was scoring goals I think for United to move on they need to move past Cristiano Ronaldo yeah and Brighton I think the general consensus is that Brighton will have another solid season so on Man United Davis uh, the Ronaldo Saito is there um, obviously the midfield that Phil mentioned can can they improve on last season which was obviously desperate well they have to um, I don't think it can be as worse as last season mm. United like even 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 as Phil says there you know they don't or you're reading from the race and post Manchester United is still Manchester United um, I think like any player in the world would love to play for Manchester United. I'm not sure that's true anymore, David. No, I like okay. This is that's why we love football. It's a game of opinions. But it's still Manchester United, Johnny. It's still of course. Look, I'm I've got my Liverpool hat on. Like, um, but any player now, don't get me wrong. If you had the choice between Manchester City and Manchester United, you pick City. If it's Liverpool and United, you pick Liverpool. But. You'd still, I'd still go United over Chelsea, United over Arsenal, United over Spurs, regardless of the situation United have been in the last few years. Like United, Talk to your is, wife, so then you can move to London or you can move to Manchester to a failing club. Well, she's she's from Manchester, so <laughs> I don't I mean your <laughs> wife. I mean it like a, a, a metaphorical position, like <laughs> no, but no, but I, I, Manchester United is still Manchester United. It is great tradition, great history. It has everything. Okay, right? It's been flat the last few years, but. Like the whole saga that's really annoyed me was the Frankie the Young one mm. because it almost it, it it almost seems like okay Ayrton Hag has identified him as a key player that he wants he's worked with him he knows him he wants him and great but it's been this ongoing saga for what five six weeks now like in the past if Manchester United wanted a player they went and got the player there was no if buts and ands it was like right manager would identify a player the club would go and they start out and they get the player and they take him. Like this whole kind of ongoing thing is it's it's not good. Obviously, Ten Hag then has to sort out Ronaldo. If Ronaldo wants to go, like obviously they're having conversations behind closed doors. We don't know about. Um, but if he wants to go, just say, you know, good luck, shake hands. I think that the Cristiano board is gone. Um, of course, people will highlight the amount of goals he scored last year, and there's no doubt he'd probably turn out another twenty goals this season. That's what Ronaldo does. He's done it for you know fifteen years. Um, but. 
going forward, if United are looking to build, obviously Ten Hag is this kind of disciplinarian. You looked at the rules he's trying to implement, um, the structure, everything that you know, even even for him to come out the other day and say, like, well, the player should not have left at half time against Valacano. That, season hasn't you know, even started yet. Yeah, but you could see which was surprising because usually when a player does leave at half time, it's because they're you know, pissed off. There's a problem. Um, if someone's, you know, trying, they're trying their toys out of the pram. I remember at my time at Sunderland years ago, somebody got subbed off at half time and they actually, you know, went outside the stadium, jumped in a taxi and got a three hour taxi home. Um, he was sold two weeks later. Mm. If a player does, like, you don't know the circumstances, but for another case of another hour, um, I think you can, you can more or less hang around because if there was an issue, I don't think you would have played the game. Yeah. But, um, let's finish so with you David on um, before we get Phil's view on it uh, West Ham versus Champions Man City uh, I gotta start with Haaland I'm not entirely sure how this is going to work out where are you on this debate about this amazing talent who may or may not be ideal in this regime, regime and routine come on Johnny <laughs> like, is he a, like, keep, did we David yeah. Conley on the other morning he's like this lad is a stonewall certainty to finish top score not sure well I'll, I'll say to David, um, I don't know if he's Stonewall top scorer, but he's 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 turning out goals. Mm. Um, you see his movement, like his movement against Liverpool. Like, okay, people will highlight the chances he missed, but that's obviously banter between you know, Liverpool and City fans, um, obviously over their strikers. But there's no doubt this kid's going to score goals, um, and he will be the difference in games, in big games. He will score goals. Um, he's certainly not kind of Pep's usual kind of number nine. How can you turn um, down Haaland though? Exactly. Um, but he'll score goals and it will just take time. Like, can you just, just can you just stop and think about like the Bruyne having the ball mm. in between the lines looking for Haaland. Just you know, briefly his... on that David, like De Bruyne wasn't fully fit for a lot last season. I think this has no. possibly been underplayed because he was only sort of getting going in the latter sort of quarter of the season maybe and he comes here a bit fresher now. Yeah, of course. And it's very difficult because if you're not fully fit, if you have a knock or an injury and you're trying to get yourself up to speed, like then the way, certainly with the, the big teams and when they're competing on all fronts and all competitions, when you're playing like Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, you know, whenever, whenever you turn over, it's very difficult. Sure. You kind of, you're, it's like Groundhog Day where you're just kind of, and I remember um, I did a game with Nathan. Um, it was Manchester City v Newcastle. I was very surprised in the last like 20 minutes, like Newcastle, were gone they were shot like you know City had blown them away but De Bruyne walked around for the last 15 minutes um, I can't remember exactly what it finished up I think it might have been 5 nil or something it was the oh, one where yeah. Grealish mm. Grealish got the ball on the left the last couple of minutes but De Bruyne just kind of sauntered around and I kind of looked and thought no he's that good he's entitled to you know the game is done but like I was there thinking this is a great opportunity because you've got them on the back foot for you to kind of run and get yourself a couple of goals here um, and you just wonder did he have a case, a little bit of burnout? Had he done too much? Was he not, like, as I said, fully fit and then kind of, like, got through the games? Because if he's 70% fit, like, he plays um, because he's that good. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, I think I'd agree. I think Haaland will bang in goals. But while everyone's talking about Haaland, and we saw it last week, Alvarez will just uh, sneak in there and probably score a rake of goals as well because he, he's quality. And, you know, they've added Calvin Phillips, Pep said in his press conference this morning a few more surprises so um, 
they could add to that squad as well. I I I, th- I think like most people, it's between City and Liverpool. It's going to be very tight. Um, Briefly on West Ham. West Ham, I, I think, obviously, Schumacher, the the Italian centre forward, they relied on Antonio too much. Where I think they played him in games where he needed a rest. And I think if he can take the, the burden off, but also like Jared Bone banged in goals as well last season. Popular. Now they've added. To, it looks like uh, Max Cornet's going as well. So I, I think West Ham will be doing exactly what they've been doing the last few seasons. They'll be top half of the table. They'll be there and thereabouts the top six, whether they can finish. They're in the Conference League this season as well, but because of the standard in the Conference League compared to the Europa League, David Moyes will be able to to rest certain players. Hopefully, with one or two League of Ireland clubs. Absolutely. Wouldn't you like uh, Shamrock Rovers and West West Ham? Ham? Well, look, let's think big. Let's think Rovers will be in the Europa League. Absolutely. Who wins the Premier League? Um, I'll say City. Who wins the Premier League, David Myler? One word Liverpool. There we go. Uh, thanks for your time, Davis. No problem, gentlemen. Thank you, Phil. Cheers, thanks. Yeah, and that was uh, football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport. It's all happening again. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.